0: for Falaba, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susanna Suisweke. Coming up, a new report shows there's been little to no progress to curb corruption in the Pacific. Also...
1: We have to be very, very careful in terms of uh, fire safety. Eh? Make sure that their children are not given the opportunity to uh, play around with
0: matters. Fiji house fires leave 16 families without a place to live. And later on, PNG's soaring population raises some questions. Transparency International says efforts to curb corruption in the Pacific are stagnating. Its 2023 Corruption Perception Index report, released this week, shows another year of little to no meaningful progress towards curbing corruption in the Asia-Pacific region. Out of the 180 countries surveyed, six are from Oceania. Kuroi Hawkins reports. According to the index, New Zealand
2: is the least corrupt country in the region – sitting in the top three in the world. Next is Australia at rank 14, followed by Fiji at 53, Vanuatu, 61, Solomon Islands, 70, and Papua New Guinea, ranked lowest in the Pacific, at 133. Transparency's Pacific advisor, Mariam Matthew, says countries in the region have fluctuated around the same positions for several consecutive years. She says even in a wider survey of people from 14 Pacific countries, Many felt corruption was allowed to go unpunished.
1: Close to half of the respondents in the region believed that corrupt officials never or rarely face consequences, basically, for their actions. So there's low trust in, in there being uh, justice against corrupt acts.
2: Although Solomon Islands scored one point more than it did in the last index report, the chief executive of Transparency Solomon Islands, Ruth Lilongula, says corruption is still a big problem.
1: For the year, I think. We move one, one point up, but that is not significant. We have not made much in the way of uh, progress in the fight against corruption, especially uh, government struggling with its efforts to, to fight corruption.
2: Ms. Lilongula says the last time Solomon Islands made a significant step forward in the fight against corruption was in 2018, when Parliament passed a new anti-corruption bill.
1: What we can take from that, the the positive, is that we have uh, not fallen down, uh, going down. We have maintained it to to the stagnant uh, score, but still we have a very highly corrupt um, public sector and we do agree with that.
2: Papua New Guinea was ranked the lowest in the Pacific and for the second consecutive year it has tracked downwards in the index. The chairperson of Transparency PNG, Peter Eitsey, says one of the biggest drivers of corruption in the country is the lack of accountability around the awarding of government contracts.
3: It does create opportunities for people to perhaps, if you like, induced or bribed or preferential contracts given to people for kickbacks. Um, um, and as a result, uh, possibly uh, we get the kind of outcomes we are seeing, which is lack of real meaningful impact in terms of some of those large-scale projects that we are trying to fund.
2: But Peter Eitsey says despite their low ranking, there have been some positive efforts to curb corruption in the country, such as the establishment of an Independent Commission Against Corruption, or ICAC.
3: Look, I am um, encouraged by the establishment of ICAC, uh, and I'm also encouraged by uh, a group uh, of champions within government itself uh, that are demonstrating courage in this type of uh, environment where we've got a breakdown of the
2: system. In the overall rankings, Denmark and Finland share the top spot as the least corrupt of the 180 countries surveyed, while Somalia sits at the bottom for the second year running as the most corrupt.
0: Fijians are being urged by authorities to be extra cautious following 18 house fires in the country this month. Fiji's National Fire Authority says 67 people have been left displaced and thankfully no injuries or deaths were reported, although the blazes have caused an estimated $1.5 million Fijian dollars in damage. Alicia Foon spoke with Fire Authority Chief Executive Boa Mau who urged people to take heed to her safety advice and to keep lighters and matches away from children.
1: This year we have already uh, received reports of uh, 18 fires, so we received nine in the Central Division, eight in the West and one in the Northern Division. Uh, Sixteen uh, families that are homeless now, eh? Normally 33% of the total uh, causes of fires are from electrical, eh? And then uh, that is the the highest one is uh, electrical, and then uh, arson is the, um, the second major, and then uh, goes on to other causes of fires, eh? There is the miracle right now. For the 18, we are still investigating into it.
2: Okay, yeah. and how many people have been displaced?
1: Uh, right now, for January, we have uh, 67 uh, people who are already displaced from all these uh, from all these fires. Eh? 67.
2: And what kind of support are these people receiving? And 67 is quite a large number. But are we talking entire families? Uh, and how's the government supporting these people
1: do you know yes the uh, government they have uh, a policy in place uh, for uh, to support our um, other the5 victims they uh, we have um, uh, there's a five thousand uh, dollars that is there uh, if they um, uh, qualify for uh, if they qualify, they will get their $5,000 immediately to um, help them to rebuild their homes. Eh? Mm.
2: What is your message around safety to people, considering this is such a concerning number of residential
1: fires? They have to be very, very careful in terms of uh, fire safety. Eh? Particularly uh, when they are staying around home, they have to make sure that uh, their children are uh, not given the opportunity to uh, play around with matches. One, one of the 18 here, is that the uh, one of the child was playing around with uh, with a lighter gas, gas lighter, and that's how the uh, the fire started. Eh? We we urge people to uh, be very careful when they are around their home, particularly with their children, and when they also leave their homes, they make sure that they, all their electrical appliances are turned off. The major thing is the, the electrical. To look into electrical, they must make sure that they have. Qualified electrician to uh, attend to their electrical works and to do their wirings and all that. Eh? Because in some of uh, the areas where we um, we identified that the fire actually started from using uh, old uh, electrical wires and all that, so they need to have qualified electrician to uh, look into their uh, electrical works in terms of uh, wiring.
2: And what is the cost of the damage?
1: The cost of the damage for the 18 is roughly about 1.5 million. According to the estimate that been done on the ground, eh? some of the homes that been destructed by the fires from the 18, I believe one was insured, was one one was insured, but the rest was uh, not insured. My advice to uh, people who will listen is to um, at least uh, it will be very expensive uh, initially, but uh, in the long run, it will save uh, them um, save lives and also uh, save their property if they try to use fire-rated material to build their homes, eh? and also use the uh, qualified electrician to do uh, wiring.
0: Papua New Guinea's population is soaring, raising questions about how these people can get educated, find work or receive health services. The National Research Institute has proposed a National Youth Service Corps but Don Wiseman spoke with our PNG correspondent Scott Waire about the extent of the growth and what, if anything, has been done about it.
4: Papua New Guinea is growing at a rapid rate and the population is increasing exponentially it would seem because not so long ago we were talking about 7 or 8 million people. Now we're talking about a population of 11 plus and projections for it to reach 21 In the fairly near future, how prepared is the government? How prepared are they for this surge in young people?
3: Look, Don, I can't give a blanket answer, but you can see the symptoms of a dysfunctional statistical system that we have in Papua New Guinea. The census hasn't been properly done and you can also see the symptoms of that problem in the health sector in particular because you've got facilities that are overwhelmed by patients, new babies being born every day and the nurses are overworked, the doctors are overworked. You've got a mental health system that's struggling to cope. So just looking at the health sector, you can already see the problems there. I was talking to the health secretary, Dr. Osborne Liko, just over the weekend, and he he was talking about how the health sector is struggling to deal with problems in other sectors of government and in particular the data that's that's supposed to be generated and supplied by the government statistical office the electoral commission and all that the health department just doesn't have that adequate data to plan for the future and that's on the side of health you look at education as well we've got kids Being enrolled in schools. There was one report of a new high school in Port Moresby that just didn't have classrooms for students. So, all of that put together is they're just symptoms of a a large, very disturbing problem.
4: It's due, of course, to a lack of money, isn't it? Uh, A lack of resources, clearly health needs a lot more money thrown at it. The census is meant to occur this year, isn't it? Finally, after 10 years, is it?
3: Yes, the census is supposed to happen this year. Now, the the Prime Minister has gone out and issued a statement saying that, you know, the census has to happen. Really not necessary for the Prime Minister to go out and say that, I mean, make a political statement, because the systems are supposed to take care of that part of the issue. But the Prime Minister has felt the need to go out and make a statement to that effect, and it just reflects that... of confidence in the system kicking into action and having the resources to actually make it happen. It's worrying that the Prime Minister has had to make that statement. A lot of people are looking at when the census will happen and it's very worrying for us.
4: Now, the surging population of Papua New Guinea's family size has, I think, been around six people for a long time, hasn't it? Are there any indications that families are getting smaller in PNG? What sort of effort is going in in the country in terms of family planning?
3: Look, there are efforts in in pockets. Some communities have gone ahead and issued warnings about large families controlling their family sizes. But as a you know, holistic approach in terms of government. There's very little efforts being put into telling people to have their numbers of children being born controlled, um, family planning methods being actively distributed. You've got non-government organizations like Marie Stopes who are actively trying to encourage people to go on birth control. But it's 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 not a widespread effort as many people would like to see. And, and it's already impacting on, say, for example, the last 30 years, it's already impacted on families you know the family support structure that Papua New Guineans have and people are trying to rely on that family structure and it's burdening that system also.
4: When you think in terms of burdens one of the uh, dramatic illustrations I suppose was the recent rioting and looting involving a lot of young people unemployed young people with very few prospects and over the the ensuing years, that presumably the country's going to be faced with more and more of these not necessarily well-educated, certainly unemployed young people.
3: We've seen this trend of young people not getting the education that they need. Education costs are high. It's a huge, huge burden to families and relatives of those people who are employed. They try to educate people in the villages to not have as many children because that burden will eventually end up at their doorstep. But it's difficult. And as you rightfully said, the rioting that we had in Port Moresby, a lot of the people who were actually involved in the riots, their ages range between 15 and 25. Very young people going out and looting the shops, burning the shops. That in itself is a whole huge, huge problem. You, you look at the statistics of, and this is particularly in Lee City where I live, the numbers of young men ending up in prison for drug offences, alcohol abuse. It ranges from 15 to 25, that age group. And the number of people being killed by police during armed holdups, 15 to 25, some very young. So yes, it's very worrying.
4: Among the political leaders, is anyone commenting? Is anyone raising the alarm?
3: I've seen Alan Bird speaking about it very publicly. A few have raised the alarm. The Deputy Prime Minister has been actively talking about it in in late. But, you know, MPs can talk about it, but you need a very decisive approach from government, like an active campaign people to just not have any more children. If you have one or two, that's enough. It's very difficult decision politically to go out and say it because of a lot of people against family planning or viewing family planning with some skepticism, not, not too sure about venturing into that area. A lot of people, whenever there's discussions about family sizes, there's always this response. Okay, it's my business. It's not your business. It's not even the government's business. So there has to be a lot of education. There has to be a lot of awareness. And it's a huge, huge task.
0: That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnz.i.com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple, and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team till fast four.